0: Hi everyone, I'm Gates. I'm Kelsey. And welcome to Killer Country.
1: Are back in the bayou in
0: Louisiana. <laughs> are we in the
1: bayou? We are actually like so deep in the bayou. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't, I've, I've been to Louisiana a couple of times, but the one time we went, we went to New Orleans, we went to a, a Seahawks game and it was awesome because we got to do like, um, we got to go downtown. We got to do like all of the touristy things Uh and then the other time we went um, Matthew's my husband's um, grandparents actually lived in Louisiana so we went to visit um, his granddad out there and so we got to see kind of like the living side of Louisiana because I feel Uh like even though people live in New Orleans you don't really live in New Orleans like you just party in New Orleans Yes. (laughs) Um, so yeah I actually had a really pleasant time in New Orleans Um, after your story I'm kind of second guessing that pleasantness. Um, and then after my story, I kind of feel the same way. Like it's just a little bit eerie yeah. down well, in the bayou.
0: <laughs> let me tell you a super funny story about the time that Nick and I went to NOLA. So, um, I had been living in Mobile for like, I don't know, two months. And Nick was like, man, I really want to take you out. Like I want us to do something exciting that you've never done before. Have you ever been to new Orleans? And of course he called it NOLA. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I-, I literally don't know what NOLA is. And he was like, NOLA, like New Orleans. I was like, oh, no, like I haven't gone. Let's go. So um, we went in September. Unbeknownst to us, we went during Southern Decadence. (laughs) And for those that don't know, Southern Decadence is gay pride, which I was just not expecting to see so many men in assless chaps.
1: Um, I had the exact same experience when we went for the Seattle Seahawks game. We had no idea. um, And it was actually over Halloween. So it was um, Southern Decadence Halloween. And (laughs) we stepped out of our Uber and so many naked butts walked by. And (laughs) Matt and I were both just like, is this is this what we're supposed to be wearing? I feel
0: underdressed. <laughs> yeah. No. I was I was wearing a crop top and some pants. I was like, holy cow, we are so overdressed, and, uh, like, Nick was like, let's let's do all of these things, like, I want you to experience everything, and so we went to the Cat's Meow, like, we mm-hmm. went on a ghost tour, Fun. and um, at the Cat's Meow, we bought some beads, and, you know, we were throwing beads at people, <laughs> but he was like, do you want to get beads, like, if you want, like, you can, like, I'm not going to judge you if you want to get beads, Nick. but I walked away with beads, <laughs>
1: It was Please sweet tell me you ladies. earned your beads. <laughs> Please tell me you earned them. Of course. <laughs> yes. It was from
0: some, some sweet old ladies on a
1: balcony. If y'all so. don't know, you to earn your beads, you have to flash your tatas. So,
0: yes. or, Gates has
1: flashed her tatas in Louisiana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on bourbon street. <laughs> but, uh, there was like this dude who flashed his junk at us. Not like I didn't ask him to flash his junk at us, but like one of the other people did because he was like, you know, trying to flip his shirt up and they're like, no, we don't want to see your boobs, blah blah, blah. Oh, And then, so gosh. he was like, Oh, you want to see this? And I was like,
1: I just like, a my penis. Eyes There's the penis. penis.
0: I'm like, that is not a penis I would like to see. <laughs> oh god so much fun and then nick almost got us killed oh god um during southern decadence he is a huge alabama crimson tide fan like huge bama fan and there was a um oh their rivals the the purple and gold ones
1: LSU. Yes. <laughs> so, so Gates watches football, as all of you know. <laughs> I can tell you guys the colors,
0: but Those
1: I just... purple and gold ones. Oh, gosh.
0: But anyways, so we were we were going back to our hotel, like intoxicated because you drink on Burbank Street. You're Yeah, you're a NOLA. And he found, like, my husband's a big dude. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, like, muscular man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He found this guy that was bigger than him. Oh. In an LSU jersey. <laughs> and Nick is dropped. He's like, hey, man, high five. Because they were just leaving the game. <laughs> and as soon as their hands connected, Nick said, roll tide. <laughs> Jeez. And this guy turns around like, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> I was like, Nick, run, run. <laughs>
1: we ran back to our hotel and was like, do not talk to anyone else. Oh, man. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) I would love to go to New Orleans for a Bama game. That would be amazing.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Next time, as long as we're not pregnant, let's do it.
1: Yes. All right. I am taking us to the bayou, um, deep, deep into the bayou in Lafayette Parish, Louisiana. Ooh, so I, I think I know which one. this Do is. Do you know this one? You might. Um, so I wanted to kind of touch on parishes. I don't know if everybody's familiar with what a parish is, um, but it's kind of like the equivalent of a county in other states. Um, parishes, however, were originally sectioned out of the state based on the church parish that was in that area. Um, so they are actually all individually independently governed by that family. So you don't just, like, get to run a parish. You have to be basically born into it, if I understand correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, There are 64 total parishes in Louisiana, and the only other U.S. state that does not have counties is Alaska, and they actually have boroughs. So, Mm. yeah, fun facts. Lafayette Parish was established in 1823 and is home to the city of Lafayette as well, which is where... Most of what I'm telling uh, telling you about takes place. Um, It is located between Baton Rouge and Lake Charles, uh, along the southern border of the state. Did you know
0: Baton Rouge means red stick? Does it really? Yeah, in French it means
1: red. Yeah, Yeah. Baton. Okay, I can see it. Yep,
0: red stick. (laughs) And Grammy, I was talking to my Grammy about uh, Baton Rouge, and she was like, "Yeah, it's all it's because of all of their redwood trees." Oh. That makes sense. Or like they're red wooded trees. Yeah. I don't know if they have
1: redwood trees. I don't know if they're actual redwoods, but they're red. All right. Um, The current population is just over 126,000. I didn't want to say the actual number because it's (laughs) 126,666. And my case is a little scary, so I just had to put 126000+. plus. I, I know exactly
0: what this case is now that yes. you said that. <laughs> oh,
1: I wanted to do it, but my friend
0: told me about the other case. I was like, oh, I've got to. Yeah, well, I'm glad you didn't because I had
1: really a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> good, good. Um, the population in 1910 was 6,392, and I actually found the... Actual census record from that year. It was the 13th census ever recorded in the United States. And wow. the state of Louisiana has their census report posted. Like you can, I have, I pulled the actual census report from 1910. It was so cool. Wow. 111 years of serious growth has brought Lafayette to not only the most populated city in the Lafayette parish, but also the fourth largest city in the whole state. Um, It is known as the happiest city in America and the heart of Cajun country. Oh, yeah. The Acadian people, um, which were French, if you did not know, settled in Lafayette in the 1700s when they were actually exiled from Canada because they refused to give up speaking French and practicing Catholicism. So there was a whole group of people that were kind of banished from Canada, and literally went to as far south as they could get without hitting water um, and started their own settlement. But my question is, why did they get kicked out of Canada for speaking French?
0: Because there are a ton of places in Canada where their main language is French.
1: Well... You'll find if you, I had to do a little bit of digging on this as well. Um, A lot of the places in Canada that are primarily French or very heavily French influenced um, are kind of spinoffs from the majority as well. So they were also small groups of settlers who refused the, um, refused to give up their culture and created their own, their own settlement. Just these, just the Acadians were the ones to happen to leave Canada. Very nice. Um, because of this, today, there is a very heavy fl- French influence in the area, and it is one of the best places in the United States to experience French culture if you are looking for authenticity. Yeah, I will definitely compare it to the time that <laughs> I went to France for like three days. <laughs> yeah. So the Atchafalaya Basin is, the Lafay- is in the Lafayette Parish, And the river basin is said to be even bigger and more vast than the Florida Everglades. Wow. I know if you've ever, I've never been to this basin, but um, if you've been to the Florida Everglades, that's has to be ginormous. Um, Episodes of swamp people and naked and afraid have been recorded here. And I know, (laughs) and there are over 250 different species of bird over 65 species of reptiles and amphibians, and some of the largest ever recorded alligators. Holy cow. I know. <laughs> there are 22 million pounds of crawfish in this base, river basin.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> no wonder almost everything that Louisians make have crawfish in them. Yep. <laughs> All their crawfish bowls that they do.
1: Um, another fun fact about the Achafilea Basin is that, according to legend, it is home to the Rougarou. What? Yes.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> never going there.
1: No. Uh, the Rougarou legend has been around for a very long time. Um, over time, this this legend that I'm going to tell you about has taken on occasion influence because we're oh. in the bayou. Um, It's said to prowl the swamps, sugarcane fields, and woodland areas in woodlands in the area. The Rougarou is a werewolf type creature that has the body of a human and head of a wolf. It's said that if children do not behave or Catholics do not follow the rules of Lent, that the Rougarou will, will hunt them and kill them. Another tale of the Rougarou says that the creature sucks the blood of its victims for 101 nights. And after that time, the curse moves from person to person through the blood sucking. And during the day, the ruguru seems to be a sickly human who doesn't tell anyone that they're ill because they're afraid that the Rougarou will come out and kill them at night. Um, almost like they like have to allow the ruguru to feed on them during the day so that it doesn't kill them at night. Apparently, if you're a Catholic and you, you're of Catholic faith and you break the rules of Lent for seven years straight, seven years in a row, you are at risk of turning into a werewolf, too. Yep. So don't, don't become a Rougarou. Please don't. <laughs> Just like the tales of the rugeroot, there is an air of legend that goes along with the case that I'm covering tonight. And Gates, I'm sure you have. Concluded by now, I'm covering the Voodoo Murders. Yes! Yep, as soon
0: as you said 1910, it just like solidified. I was like, oh, it's the Voodoo priestess.
1: Yes. Um, The Voodoo Murders began at the end of January 1911 in West Crowley, Louisiana, only about 25 miles west of Lafayette. At the time, the Southern Pacific Railroad line ran through all of the towns that I'm going to be talking about, so that was considered as a possible connection before authorities were able to confirm connections later on. So, January 1911, police officers received a call from some residents living on Western Avenue in West Crowley. They said that they thought some awful, something awful had happened to their neighbors, the Byers family, who lived at 605 Western Avenue, and they would be Absolutely correct. Um, Officer Ballou responded to the call. The scene he found was rough, rough. It was a rough scene. Um, All of the doors to the home were locked. There was a window slightly open, um, not like wide open like somebody had tried to crawl through it, but it was the only entrance in the house that was open. So they believe it had to have been where the killer came through. Um, The family who lived there was a couple and their young son. They'd been killed in their sleep. The bed that they were sleeping in, all three of them were in the same bed, was drenched in blood. There were bloody footprints leading all throughout the home. A bucket of blood sat in the corner of the room and sitting upright on the bed above their bashed-in skulls was, of the three victims, was a bloody axe. (sighs) Told you that was rough. It it is so
0: rough, especially with all of that blood and then the buckets of blood. I know. Can you
1: imagine walking into that scene? No.
0: Not today, Satan?
1: No. Right away, rumors started spreading that the murder seemed very ritualistic and could be connected to a cult called the Church of Sacrifice, which was led by a voodoo princess. The Church of Sacrifice believed bloodshed was the ticket to eternal life and was known to be responsible for some very violent crimes at this time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Police, of course, were looking for a more substantial suspect um, because nobody really wants to automatically jump to voodoo. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So their investigation actually led them to a few different men in the area. And it it stayed that way until February 25th, 1911, when the Andrus family of Lafayette was found murdered in their home. This was not the only similarity. The Andrews family of four had also been axed to death while they slept. And a lot of the reports at the time listed manner of death as brained with ax. I know. Isn't that dark? Brained with ax. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The connection was undeniable. So the investigation shifted to a serial killer because at this point that's seven people dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Just over a month later, Alfred and Elizabeth Cassaway and their three children were found murdered in their San Antonio, Texas home. Again, in a very similar manner. I'm not going to go into all the details on all of these because it's just a lot of blood mm-hmm. all the time. Um, by summer of 1911, police had gotten a lead from a woman who claimed to be the mistress of a local Lafayette man named Raymond Barnabit. Mm. The Barnabet family had moved to Lafayette only two years earlier in 1909. Raymond was known in Lafayette as a somewhat unsavory fellow. Most of his crimes had been petty crimes like public drunkenness, pickpocketing, stuff like that. Um, He was also a known sharecropper in the area. So sharecropping for a black man in 1911 was essentially just a new way to describe slavery Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) rather than being forced to work for nothing Men could share cropland, women could not, um, which meant they worked the land as their "quote unquote" rent, and kept a portion of the yield as payment. So, I mean, they were getting paid, but I can guarantee you that the people was, who were working for their rent for the crops were not the white men.
0: And the pay that they did get, no matter how much so it minimal. was, minimal. Yeah. Exactly. That was the word. That was literally the word that I was going to use minimal.
1: Yeah. So Raymond's mistress had been bitching to a friend of hers after she and Raymond had been in a fight. And in this conversation, she strongly suggested to her friend that Raymond had been connected to these murders. What? <laughs> like, yeah, my man was out late last night. And he didn't call me, he didn't let me know he was gone. And, you know, I really think he might have killed these people. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, Raymond was arrested and put on trial in October of 1911. While on trial, both of his children, Zephrin and Clementine, testified against him, saying they were afraid for their own lives due to his abuse that they had experienced as kids. And they're teens at this point. like They're not very old. Um, Clementine even testified that she witnessed her father return home one night with blood on his clothes. Whoa. Zephyrin actually corroborated this story and added that their father had even drunkenly slurred that he had killed the whole damn Andrus family. What? <laughs> Raymond was convicted and put in jail. Case closed, right? End of episode. On domain. One would assume so, mm. but I'm guessing no. <laughs> on November 26th, 1911, Norbert Randall, his wife, three children, and nephew were murdered in their home in Lafayette. All members, except for Norbert this time, had had their skulls bashed in with an axe, but this time Norbert had been shot in the head. So different M.O. Yeah. Raymond Barnabet was not the only family member to have a bad rap. And remember, he's in jail. Raymond is in jail at this point. And this family ends up dead. So the whole Barnabet family was really kind of just seen as very low class. Um, Zephrin and Clementine especially were described by neighbors as filthy, shifty degenerates. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I typed out shifty and wrote shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I yeah. mean, I think it can be used. <laughs> I mean, they're interchangeable, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lafayette Parish Sheriff. That's a hard one too. The parish sheriff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Louise Louise Lacoste was immediately suspicious of Raymond's kids once it was clear that Raymond could not have possibly killed the Randall family from jail. When police arrived to the Barnabas home to arrest Raymond the first time, they had taken some evidence that also connected the kids to one of the previous crimes. So some of Clementine's, Clementine's clothes actually had a small amount of blood on them that was confirmed to be blood from the Andrus family murders. Oh my so, at the time, they, they brought it up in trial and she testified that on the stand that her father had wiped the blood there. So, without any further evidence, I mean, that that could have been the case. Sheriff Lacoste didn't buy it then and he definitely was not buying it now. Um, Zephrin did have a legitimate alibi that night for the Randall murders, um, but Clementine was arrested just before the end of November 1911. Police found, quote, a complete suit of women's clothes in Clementine's room, saturated with blood and covered with human brains. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: The front door latch to the house was also covered in blood. Um, And in January of 1912, three more families would end up murdered in the area. And how old was she, Clementine? So when spoiler when she does get taken in she's only 19 so at this point she would have been 17 turning 18 holy crap yeah um with every murder it seemed to progress further and further and just kept getting worse and more gruesome the third family that in that month of january 1912 was the broussard family again i'm not going to go into the details on all of them they were all axed to death everybody Mm -hmm. everybody got axed um, but this third family was the Broussard family of five from Lake Charles, Louisiana. They'd been axed to death and then positioned, splayed out with on the floor with their hands spread apart with pieces of wood. Like, very posed. And there was also a handwritten message written on the wall. And some sources said it was written in blood and others say it was just written in pencil. And I really just want it to be pencil, but I really know it wasn't pencil. <laughs> Yeah, it probably wasn't. Just with all of
0: that blood around, are you really yeah. going to go searching for a pencil? I mean, I really want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> for, for you, we can say that it was. Yeah,
1: it was just pencil. It was a pencil. Yeah, it was nothing but a pencil. <laughs> um, the message said, when he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. And that is actually a verse from Psalms, or it is Psalms 912 from the King James Bible. Oh wow. um the the cult the um the church of sacrifice was actually based off of what well, loosely based off of like actual christianity at the time um and the church that they claimed to have been following um comes in a little bit later i'll tell you a little bit more about the pastor but um The church was it checked out that the church that they are so supposedly basing the Church of Sacrifice off of was a legitimate church practicing legitimate, legitimate Christianity, not not sacrifice. Um, This message was signed by Human Five. This, of course, led to even more rumors and stories flew through the newspapers about a gang of murderers who were connected to voodoo rituals. Along with these theories came the idea that Clementine was the leader of this cult that I mentioned, Hmm. the Church of Sacrifice. On April 5th, 1912, Clementine actually confessed to 17 murders at this point. Like, she had been confessing for a couple of days, but at, at the point of April 5th, 1912, she was at 17. Wow. Yes. Her claim was that she purchased a voodoo protection charm that was intended to protect her while she committed these murders. She also said that she indeed did not work alone, and the group would basically draw names to see who would commit the next murder. So, one newspaper at the time, the Daily Picayune, wrote that Clementine declared she killed the children because she did not wish them left orphans in the world.
0: Uh...
1: I know. Clementine then kind of took police on a wild goose chase. She first claimed under oath that her father had murdered the families. She then changed this claim and said that she had done it with the help of accomplices. At one point she said that she was solely responsible, that she was the voodoo priestess and um, everything she did was dark magic. She even gave names for these supposed accomplices. And when police like pursued the names, they went nowhere those were not people that could have possibly been associated with her. So did she just give random names or the people? They don't, just They don't know. They don't mm-hmm. know if they, if they were just fake names, they don't know if they were actual people who just evaded the law all of these years. Um, it was a dead end. Every basically every time she would tell this story to anyone, the details of it changed. She eventually would confess to a total of 35 murders and there was no way for police to know if that was the truth or not. Wow. Her connection to voodoo would also be questioned. They found no evidence that the church of sacrifice even existed. But of course the public had already clung to the idea that Clementine was a voodoo priestess and Clementine fed into this by claiming that she had given that voodoo, she had been given that voodoo charm. From a voodoo priest. Named Joseph Thibodeau. And this is. He was the priest at the church. That I mentioned previously. And he vehemently denied this. Like he said absolutely not. He was not connected to voodoo at all. Um, He said that he simply practiced. Root based medicine. Rather than traditional western medicine. And every account of Joseph. Noted him as a man with peaceful disposition. And harmless intention. So he's just a guy like. Probably smoking a little dope and like just trying to cure things naturally. And he's connected to voodoo. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, especially because
0: didn't you say that he was at the actual legitimate Christian church? Yes. Yes.
1: The one that checked out to be absolutely legitimate.
0: And he's just trying to help a poor little girl by giving her a little bag of remedy. Yeah. For
1: whatever might have been ailing her. Oh, man, that little brat. I know. Even though Clementine confessed to 35 murders, the only true connection to a crime police could make for Clementine was that the Randall family, was that of the Randall family, because they found her, quote, woman suit. Um, She did say at one point that she would dress like a man so that she would be unidentified in the night. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think of it like a pantsuit. And that was covered in blood and brains. So she was sentenced to life in prison at a Louisiana penitentiary at the age of 19. Wow. She escaped prison on July 31st, 1913, but was caught later that same day. She was only out for a couple of hours. Aside from the escape attempt, she was a model inmate and never involved in any poor behavior. Excuse me. Was she still practicing voodoo? Not that they reported. No, she yeah. was just living her life in there. Um, She didn't end up serving much of her life sentence. What? (laughs) Yeah. A whole life sentence. Um, In a very vague report from the prison, Clementine supposedly received a procedure that restored her back to her normal condition. What? (laughs) Um, it was confirmed that this was not a lobotomy, which was my first in- instinct. Like, Yeah, maybe I, they was, I was literally going to ask you. Um, if no, a lobotomy. lobotomies didn't become known in the U.S. until 1936. Oh, my god! So we're like 20 years before that. and Maybe
0: someone was just above their time.
1: I don't know. They said it was a surgical procedure and was confirmed it was not a lobotomy. So Holy cow. I don't know. There was not even proof that the procedure had been performed at all except for this report. Oh, my gosh. What if they just tried some, like, electrotherapy and was like, oh, she's good. She's cured. Yeah. Or what if she used her voodoo magic and I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> this supposed procedure allowed her to be released on good behavior after only 10 years of serving a life sentence. For
0: 36 murders. Was it 36 murders? Uh, 35. 35
1: murders. You only yes. served
0: 10 years. Yes.
1: Many researchers on this case had said that Clementine's contradictory stories were a very successful way for her to instill fear of voodoo magic and confuse the public, um, especially using the media, because it was like it was like satanic panic. Like, yeah. you know, every, everyone heard voodoo priestess and they're like, oh, my God, it's dark magic. And they just could not focus on even the facts of the crimes. No. Wow. One theory says that the murders were work of copycat killers and that only one of them was legitimate. Um, And that's why each scene was slightly different, but with like the same overall idea. Um, There's also the theory that she committed only the one murder and the others were the killings of other murderers tormenting the area at the same time. There were actually two other axe killings taking place at the same time. Oh, was it the, it's not the New Orleans axe murder, was it? The Axeman of New Orleans was in the okay. 1910s and the servant girl annihilator um, was in actually in Austin, but that wasn't far in 188 in the late 1880s. And neither of those cases have ever been solved either. Oh my gosh. I know.
0: <laughs> Dude, the accident of New Orleans is just a crazy story as well.
1: Yes. Like, play jazz or you'll die. <laughs> oh my God. And then there's the theory that her whole family was in on the whole thing, and her fathers and brothers included. And so they all just took turns murdering people. She had three brothers, and then her and her dad would have made five. Yeah. So that kind of goes back to that. Writing uh, on the wall. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no way to be sure that any of the axe murders were connected, but what are the odds that there were three axe murderers in the same area at the same time? I'm just saying they probably have some sort of connection.
0: They probably do.
1: And that is the story of Clementine Barnabet, who, after her release, completely disappeared. What? So after she <laughs> served those 10 years of a life sentence, yeah. No trace of her whatsoever. Okay, well, at least it's over 100 years after that. Yeah, so that's actually my next bullet point. I'm like, obviously, she's not <laughs> alive because she'd be like 128, but also voodoo magic. So maybe she could be. Maybe. Um, she was only 19 when she was sentenced. So she was probably hadn't even turned 30 when released. And she lived out the rest of her do- days, literally off record like there's no report of where she lived there's no report of if she married there's no report if she moved out of louisiana nothing nothing she's a ghost literally she's a voodoo ghost is that such
0: ghost i don't know we can pretend
1: (laughs) i don't know man but i'm just saying when we went to what when we went to new orleans um what is that voodoo shop a famous voodoo shop oh my gosh i don't know but nick and i went in there um we did not we walked in i'm like mm, we gotta go <laughs> oh my gosh hold or on. no we went to the like museum of death or like uh
0: some something like that down there
1: hold on i'm gonna look it up the voodoo museum no, it does... uh, marie Laveau's. Yes. yes no we did not go in there well we did go in there but then we we promptly left because there was shrunken heads and, you know, I'm just, <laughs> like, I don't think of myself as like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I'm super overly religious or anything, but I'm also not willing to open up like any dark doors. Like yes. I'm keeping those things locked up tight.
0: <laughs> well, we went on a ghost tour around Nola and um, I can't remember the name of the woman no there was like this slave Ooh. owner in Nola who uh, like killed her, killed and tortured all of her slaves because she viewed them as subhuman ah. and um, we walked by uh, her house and we were like taking pictures and I have a few orbs on my phone oh good um, yeah mm-hmm. and it was just so freaking creepy
1: <laughs> no was... I don't I can't I can't do it nope I just like even last night as I was finishing up the very end of this page I was like like <laughs> peeking out the dark window I'm like it's time to be done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it just it freaks me out. But yes, those are the voodoo murders. So, I think my personal opinion is that they're probably not a whole lot to do with voodoo magic. But I think that that was one hundred percent her out on. I, I don't even think she committed all thirty five murders. Honestly. Yeah. She
0: probably had can, help. Yeah. I I kind of agree with you that it could have been a family thing, like her her I brothers and so. her dad. Yeah, and just each of them because they were a little bit different. They were they went in with the intention of doing it a certain way, and then they just all kind of like put on their own special twist.
1: Right, and it makes sense. Like the five, the mention of the five, mm-hmm. um, I think. Yeah, that's my that's my theory too. My top theory. <sighs> but yes, that so that is Louisiana for you guys. You get a little bit of voodoo. You get a little bit of bayou. You get a little bit of Nola. Well, no, we were in Jennings. a little bit of, like, new age, too. That was 2005. That's not that long ago. Mm -mm. It is not that long ago.
0: And, I mean, there is information out there. Like, people know what happened to those women.
1: Oh, absolutely. So we just. Probably not voodoo priestesses. No. (laughs) I mean, maybe we could enlist a voodoo priestess to help, but. I'm not going to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. I'll set up the Zoom call for y'all, though. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah whenever we went to NOLA we did um
0: I, I got like my palms read. Mm-hmm. it was so stinking cool like he was spot on about everything and at the time like I was still technically like married to my ex-husband like our divorce mm-hmm. hadn't been finalized because of the move and stuff mm-hmm. and um he was like now the guy that you're with this is a new relationship <laughs> and I was like yeah and he's like but you still like have an old one that you're <laughs> trying to like <laughs> You're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're trying to dissolve that. And he was like, well, your life, like my lucky number has always been three. He's like, your life just goes in like stages of three. And I was like, that is so true. Because my ex and I were together for like three years. And then my husband and I were together for three years before he proposed. Mm-hmm. And um, our wedding anniversary is one, two, three.
1: Oh my goodness. So we went to a... Um... Um, a psychic well we had a psychic come to us long story very short I might go into it at some point but not right now Um, I had a friend pass away tragically Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um, after the fact we were kind of a a little group of friends like we all worked together we were very very close and after the fact because her death was so abrupt and tragic we all kind of wanted to like connect with her Mm -hmm. so we did talk to a psychic and this psychic like i had never met her none of us had well one one of our group had and she we told her before we even reached out to her like do not tell her anything about us like we didn't want her to know anything because we were all a little bit skeptical yeah um and we got there so this psychic came she knew nothing about any of us like not even our names and we sat down and like the stuff that she came out with like it was crazy and we didn't We did. I guess we did connect with our lost friend um, a little bit, but even just the stuff that, like, I guess that was coming forward. She, she's told us like the way it was presented to her was like if you're looking at a theater stage, and the curtain opens and somebody steps forward into the limelight. So you see all the people in the background, Mm -hmm. or she can hear all the people in the background, but only one one person or one item comes forward to her at a time and then it was like our job to kind of like find out who that connected to so like for one of my friends she was talking about a tree and something about carving and initials and one of the girls in our group had a uncle who had passed away and they had a tree like it that were their whole family knew that they had carved initials in and like it was just crazy it was crazy Aww yeah dude they know a lot of the times they know what they're talking about i know well i i walked away like i went into it very skeptical and i walked away like shit she knows what she's talking about like (laughs) because there's no way like there's no i didn't even tell my friends some of the stuff that had like came forward it was wild it was wild but i think that's as close to voodoo as i'm getting (laughs) in my lifetime some of Um, that stuff can be scary Yeah. I do have a missing person for us in Louisiana that I want to touch on just very briefly. Um, the information comes from the center for missing and exploited children. So like we've said in the past, they don't give us a whole lot of information on like where she was last seen or who she was with. Um, so mainly it's just demographic information, but she, she did go missing fairly recently. Um, she, her name is Gracie Vincent, and she went missing from Neco Naco dish, Louisiana on January 28th, 2022. So that's very recent. Um, She is 13 years old, born on June 14th, 2008. Um, she's Caucasian female, blonde, blue, blonde hair, blue eyes. She's about five foot one and weighs about 127 pounds. Um, all the pictures of her, she has very long hair. So if she has been abducted, I would not be surprised if her hair is likely short at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, that's typically one of the things to happen first off. Um, both, she, like I said, she was seen on January 28th, 2022. Um, she's adorable. She doesn't wear heavy makeup or anything for a 13 year old, um, She's just very sweet. So I think if we share some information on her and hopefully get her home, um, you can call 1-800-THE-LOST and that's 1-800-843-5678 or you can call the Natchitoches Police Department in Louisiana. That's 1-318-352-8101 right and if you want to um if you don't want to share the information yourself or if you have a tip on where gracie could be and want us to put it in for you we're happy to Um, as always you can find us on patreon we're killer country on patreon on facebook we're at facebook.com backslash killer country podcast on instagram we are at killer country podcast
0: And like what she said, anything that you want to, you can send us at killercountrypodcast at gmail.com.
1: And send us in your campfire stories, your, um, your, if you have tales coming up or stories coming up that you want us to cover, we will look into them. Mm -hmm. Um, our next state, we are going to actually cover Maine and then, so we'll be on Maryland. Maryland and Massachusetts. Yeah, Maryland, Massachusetts. So if you guys are from the area, we're out on the East Coast. So send us what you know and we will we'll do our best to touch on it. At the very least, we're going to recognize um, that you sent it in. So we will absolutely. see y'all in Maine.
0: See you in Maine, guys. bye
1: <laughs> Please cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs>